Welcome back to Get Fit Guy. If you're new here, I'm Coach Kevin Don, and the goal of the show is to discuss matters related to fitness and health, as well as provide some answers to your burning questions. If you aren't new here, the previous is still true. It tends to be that this time of year, we start to see the usual suspects of clickbait fitness headlines, namely those centered around how to look and more importantly, feel better on the beach or by the pool. Now, as far as I'm concerned, a beach body isn't something you acquire. It's simply the state of taking your body to the beach. Media sells you the narrative that you need to change your body because it helps sell things to you like fad diets and expensive gym memberships because that's how capitalism works. So while I care much more about you being fit as in being healthy, I do want to give you my take on how my male listeners can address something that is often important to them. The fact that as they age, they develop a larger chest, often called man boobs in popular vernacular. So what causes this physical change as we age? Well, first of all, it's important to recognize that there could be a couple of things going on. Could just be storing fat there. Or you could have a condition called gynecomastia, gyno for short. We often see newborn babies with gyno having been exposed to estrogen in the womb. And as we age, we see it again due to hormonal changes affecting our estrogenic and androgenic ratio. Causes can be as simple as declining testosterone levels as we age, thyroid issues, or things like the side effects of alcohol consumption and pharmaceuticals. You can easily tell the difference between fat deposits in the chest area and gyno by manually examining your chest. In gyno, you'll have a palpable mass in the breast area, usually around the nipple, could be on both sides or just one side of your chest. Typically, we find that fat deposits are a lot more malleable and tend not to have a defined mass. If you suspect that you have gynecomastia, it's definitely advisable to see a physician because they'll want to perform tests to exclude the worst outcomes and narrow down the cause. Now, typically, in event of a gynecomastia diagnosis, if the mass doesn't resolve itself within two years, then some kind of intervention will be required. This will either be a pharmaceutical or a surgical intervention. And this is where my input on the subject track must end because I'm not qualified to provide medical advice and I know my limits. However, in about 75% of cases, it's not gynecomastia, but pseudo-gynecomastia, which is fatty tissue deposits. In which case, training and lifestyle interventions can definitely help. So this is where I'll pick up the reins. Now, I would advise a two-track approach to helping with this problem. One where you look at your food intake, and one where you look at your training. On the first track, food intake will be important because you have stored fat. So we have to look at how to reduce your body fat levels. I would advise using an online TDEE, which is Total Daily Energy Expenditure Calculator, to find out what you need to have as your calorie intake. From there, you'll need to create a caloric deficit. I would aim for 250 to 500 daily under maintenance as a maximum. 
anything else is going to be far too aggressive and won't be easy to sustain and get you to your goals. You will find it easier to reduce calories and feel more full if you stop drinking your calories. What I mean by that is that, for example, a large caramel macchiato has around 330 calories. When you then pair that with a breakfast food, we're going to end up in a situation where you could have consumed 30 to 40% of daily calories in just one meal. Now, for 330 calories, you could eat four and a half ounces of broccoli. Now, I'm not suggesting that you go on the strict broccoli diet. The point I'm making is that when you consume 330 calories of liquid, you still need food. And if you consume 330 calories of nutrient-dense food, such as broccoli, you'll feel pretty full. So if you add in fibrous, nutritionally dense foods to your plate, it'll fill you up and mean that you may eat less of the more caloric, typically starchy foods. You may be thinking, well, Kevin, can't I just work out to burn off the extra calories? Well, eating nutritionally dense food is going to be an easier option for you to reduce your caloric intake than it is to increase the exercise prescription. For some people, burning a caramel macchiato off might look like 30 minutes or more on a rowing machine, depending on effort level, but this also creates a very bad relationship between you and your training and you and your food. It's also important to remember that aside from getting the veggies in there, you have to increase your protein intake. Protein is going to be super important with the training you'll be doing, but also as we age, we become less efficient at utilizing protein. That is, an older person needs to consume a larger dose of protein to create the same muscle protein synthesis event as a younger cohort. We also know that protein has a great thermogenic effect, which is that our bodies use more energy digesting it than they do to digest carbohydrate or fats. What you might be seeing in your mind when you hear my advice is a plate of food with some vegetables and some protein, and you'd be right. Basically, you should be thinking about eating real food. And I know that y'all know what real food is. Think about what being alive a few thousand years ago in the time of hunter-gatherers looked like, and what foods you'd be able to source, and how abundant each of those would be. Meats, vegetables, and maybe some starches like sweet potatoes, fats like those found in nuts, sugars like you find in fruits and honey. Now, the ratio of those will be determined by how available is that stuff in nature. I mean, sure, nuts were available, but the amount of effort required to gather enough nuts to feed an entire tribe versus just taking down a bison tells you that protein and vegetables will be the largest part of the plate and that nuts and other healthy fats will be the smallest parts of the plate. So what this means when you actually go to the grocery store is that it's quite unlikely in general that you'll find yourself in the middle of the store. You may have noticed that real foods are perishable and are almost always located around the store perimeter. 
This doesn't mean that I think you have to demonize something from the middle of the store, but merely that if you have a goal, perhaps those processed foods and snacks might not be the best choice for you right now. I'd also advise everyone to avoid fad diets. Eating whole real foods isn't a fad. It's how humans developed and were eating for 300,000 years. Most of the branded diets that you have to buy a book or sign up to a group to follow are just doing the same thing by creating a caloric deficit. Now, on to the training side. It can be super tempting to think that we can spot reduce fat where we work, but it doesn't really work that way. Doing some bench press may indeed help visually because we're increasing the muscle size and that itself makes the skin smoother and tighter over the affected area. But this doesn't mean that you've reduced fat in the area. We need to be consistently in a caloric deficit and you'll eventually lose chest fat which can be a bit stubborn. You just have to stick with it as a long-term project. So what would training look like? Well, strength training will be super important. This is because muscle mass is costly to the body to build and maintain, which means that even at rest, you will be burning more calories. Strength training also damages existing muscle fibers, so you'll have to use more energy diverting it to repair, in addition to building new tissue. As I mentioned, we can't spot reduce, so whilst building some chest muscle will help tighten the skin and fill the space that losing fat will leave, it's important to hit the big compound lifts. They're more exhaustive, meaning you'll burn more energy performing them, and they build more muscle mass, giving you access to greater calorie burn. Compound lifts are those which use multiple muscles and joints and large ranges of motion. So squats, deadlifts, and pressing variations. I would also advise doing more reps, somewhere in the 8 to 12 range, because this is where you'll get the most bang for your buck in terms of muscle building. Aside from strength training, what about cardio? Well, absolutely. Because anything that you can do on top of your strength training and your normal daily essential movements will allow you more easily to reach that caloric deficit. One of the common debates is whether or not fasted cardio, which is normally performed in the mornings, is better for fat loss than non-fasted cardio. And actually, you can find many studies that indicate both are true. Now, since that cannot be the case, since it's an either-or scenario, I would just say that if you have a very poor training performance or feel sluggish and have low energy levels when training fasted, then don't do it. You're going to have better results if you can train with some focus and intent. We should also look to what we can do to increase NEAT, which stands for Non-Exercise Activity Thermogenesis. This is basically anything that you do that burns calories that is neither essential to your daily survival, such as energy-consumed running cellular processes, nor is your intentional deliberate training. Going out for a walk after your dinner is exercise. Parking your car at the end of the grocery store uh, or taking the stairs instead of the escalator is neat. 
Now remember, the only way to know for sure if you have gyno is to visit the doctor. They'll perhaps use an ultrasound to confirm the presence of a tissue lump and do some blood tests to check your hormone levels. If you have fatty deposits in your chest, then increasing your energy expenditure and getting your food intake in check will be the best, most efficient way to tackle the problem. As always, please email me if you have any questions or just want to complain about my latest episode. I love them all. Contact me at getfitguy at quickanddirtytips.com or check out the Get Fit Guy Facebook page. Get Fit Guy is a Quick and Dirty Tips podcast. Thanks to the team at Quick and Dirty Tips, Adam Cecil, Morgan Christensen, Holly Hutchings, and Davina Tomlin. Our intern is Cameron Lacey. I'm your host, Kevin Don. If you have a question for me, leave me a voicemail at 510-353-3104 or send me an email at getfitguy at quickanddirtytips.com. For more information about the show, visit quickanddirtytips.com or check out the show notes in your podcast app. 